Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. It's been about a month since we did one of these. Between work and summer classes and David Shane just being at Camp Sankinac, we've been been pretty busy, but we are finally back here, uh, able to give you content and just the talks. Latest, mostly NBA here today, because a lot of things have gone down to NBA since we last talked to you guys. But I want to start off with the NBA Finals. Just ended last night. The Milwaukee Bucks are your 2021 NBA champions. They won four straight games against the Suns to win the series in six. Giannis Antetokounmpo was your finals MVP, put up 35 and 13 in the finals, shooting 61% from the field, which is the point that I want to start off with here, which if we're being honest here, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's a new face of the NBA. I'm sorry, but he is. Those of you who want to argue, I would love to hear your argument against it. But this guy came in and put on one of the best showings I think I've seen in NBA Finals history, maybe outside of Kawhi Leonard and what he did for the Raptors. But this this run in the Finals was incredible. He closed out the NBA Finals with a 50-piece, 50 points in a closeout game. The Bucks went down 2-0 to the Suns, and it just it didn't phase them at all. They went down 2-0. They're like, all right, here we are. We know what we need to do. And they end up winning four straight games led by Giannis. But keep in mind, the pieces around Giannis as well were incredible. He stepped up when they needed to. Chris Middleton was shooting, at least from what I thought, one of the best times of his life was shooting in these finals. He shot very, very well, 45% from the field, 36% from three, averaging just under three threes a game, which is pretty exceptional given the status of the defense in today's NBA. Drew Holiday, I think we all know that iconic steal on Devin Booker to seal the game. What a steal. What a defensive lockdown. Great to see. Different guys, they just they, – they stepped up when the Bucs need them most. I mean, guys like Bobby Porters, P.J. Tucker, they're guys that are lower-tier, lower-level names. But when you need them to step up, they really did a phenomenal job, did a great job of doing what the Bucs needed to get over the hump. And so I think that Giannis Tenekumpo right now in my opinion, he's the face of the NBA. I think that the crown was kind of up for taking. After LeBron lost in the first round, I think that the crown was there for whoever wanted it. They can go grab it. Someone go get the crown for best player in the league and face the league. And Giannis ran through everybody, bulldozed his way to get to the crown of the new face of the NBA. And on the flip side of that, the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, a lot of people feel for him. A lot of people aren't sure you know, how to feel about Chris Paul. But I, I do want to say this. I think that this was the one chance he's going to have in his life, in his career, to win it all. And I think that he blew it. I mean, he just he flat out blew it. It is what it is. Chris Paul was in this position. He was in a great spot. He was up 2-0. And he had guys like Mikel Bridges, DeAndre, and Devin Booker on his team playing what they needed to do. And Chris Paul, he needed to step up, being the leader of that team. And he just he did not do – he didn't do it. He didn't step up the way that the Suns need him to do to win this series. Do I feel for him? And eh, a little bit because he's 36 and this was his first time in the finals. Do I feel really bad for him? I do not because he's a veteran player. He knew what he was doing. They were up 2-0. I don't want to say that they got too cocky, but they were definitely confident with that 2-0 series lead and they blew four straight. So if, if I'm Chris Paul, I'm really sitting back and figuring this whole thing out. Do I want to try to run it back with Phoenix? Do I want to be here? Do I think that this team has a chance to come back next year? Or do I analyze the field? Do I see mm, maybe the Lakers really are my only chance? 
I know that a lot of people would not want to see Chris Paul and LeBron James together. I'm one of them. But if you're Chris Paul, you have to analyze what's out there. What are your options this upcoming offseason? But my, my hat goes off. I've never been the biggest fan of Giannis. I don't dislike him. I've just never been the biggest fan of him. But he earned my utmost respect in this series with the way that he played, snagging the finals MVP, stepping up when he needed to. And he is now the new face of the league. So, David Shane, I want to send it to you. Just sort of your thoughts on my comments and my feelings, and then kind of your feelings about this NBA Finals and the way that it ended up. Yeah, so I think the the two main things to address so with what you said are are the are the Bucks. Where do they stand in the NBA now? And kind of the crisp the whole Chris Paul thing. So I'll start off with the Bucks and Giannis. Obviously, amazing series from Giannis, especially considering he was coming off a major knee injury um, that he that caused him to miss some games against the Hawks. Uh, he comes in. Averages like 35 points, double-digit rebounds, closes out the game with five blocks last night. Um, so obviously he's he's great. Um, the Bucks finally kind of broke through. Uh, they had expectations the last two years, getting the one seed, Giannis being the MVP, and obviously um, they just didn't come through. Uh, they got upset tw- uh, both years in the playoffs, and now they finally, you know, they finally made it. Um, Giannis played really well. Middleton finally stepped up. That was a big conversation whether he could be a number two guy on a championship team. And he showed that, you know, he can, when, he, when he's on, I mean, he's just hitting tough shot after tough shot. It's crazy to watch him play how he's, hit, he's not just hitting shots. He's hitting shots with him in a base every shot. Um, so they finally broke through. They won the NBA, the NBA finals. I think it's a really interesting conversation um, kind of where they stand now, because I mean, I assume going into the next year, they're, they're definitely going to be one of the favorites, uh, but I don't know if they're going to be the favorite. The whole thing to me with the Bucs is um, you, you can say you know, Giannis is going to be the face of the league. The Bucs are now, I mean, could they create maybe a little dynasty here? I'm not super confident that, that they can. Um, if the Nets were healthy, did, did the Bucs win that series? It wasn't looking like they were. Um, the Suns got to the finals after you know beating a Lakers team that was injured, a Clippers team that was injured. Um, and the Bucks, it took six games uh, to beat them. So I'm not supremely confident in, in the Bucs uh, going forward, which I think is interesting, and some people might think they're going to be a juggernaut going forward. I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think there's still plenty of teams you know, right with them. As so much with Giannis becoming the face of the league, I don't think he's really the face of the league yet. Uh, people like KD, still LeBron, all have you know that more more recognition than him, more facial rec- recognition. So I don't think he's, he's necessarily the face of the league yet. He certainly could be that, but I think he's going to need to uh, win another finals either next year or the year after that to finally solidify himself as that. Um, the real question is: Is Giannis now the best player in the NBA? Uh, I can't. You can't really argue that he isn't after what he just did. Um, but he's that de- he's definitely up there now that LeBron is uh, kind of on the decline. Um, so obviously feel great for the Bucks. They finally broke through. Uh, feel great for Giannis, great for Chris Middleton. They proved a lot of people wrong, uh, but I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do moving forward. And as for Chris Paul, man, I was rooting for the Suns. Uh, I was rooting for them the whole way, mostly just because of how I like Chris Paul. Uh, I, I just wanted him to get his ring. I think he he's kind of deserves it after all he's put into the league and after all, you know, all the bad, excuse, some bad luck, some choking, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just w- was hoping he'd get one, he'd get his, and it looked like he was. Um, but I mean, the, the Suns, I mean, they blew it. I don't think they're the better team. 
Um, so I'm not surprised that they blew a 2-0 lead. But, I mean, when, when you get two up 2-0, uh, you got to come through there in that situation against the Bucks, and he didn't do it. Um, he he was okay in the series. He was pretty good in the series, but you know nothing special. Not good enough to win. Um, he he's really fallen off on defense. He used to be one of the better defensive guards. Uh, his defense was unimpressive. Um, and overall, as the best player, you know, on a finals team, he just wasn't wasn't good enough. Uh, didn't score quite enough. Wasn't efficient enough. Um, so I feel bad for him, but at the same time, I mean, he had his chance. Uh, he got up 2-0, and for the fourth time in his career, he, he lost the 2-0 lead in the playoffs, uh, most in NBA history, by the way. Um, but the Suns are in a good spot. they got a lot of young players. We'll see where they are going forward. Um, the worry for me with the Suns is the, the path they, they took to get here. They I think they probably lose to the Lakers in round one if AD stays healthy. I think they probably lose to the Clippers if Kawhi's healthy. Um, so they really need to keep progressing and keep improving uh, with their young guys, Booker, Aiton, Mikhail Bridges. Um, and we'll see where Chris Paul ends up. But, I mean, he, he did he did blow it. I, he, I mean, I, I want to try to sugarcoat it because I, I, I do really like him. But he didn't come through when they needed it. And we'll see where the Suns can go from there. Um, it's finally time for Devin Booker to, you know, take the spot as, you know, the number one guy there. Um, so we'll see going forward, but it's, it might be over for him. Yeah. And I think that as much as I think that Chris Paul was a lot to blame uh, for the Suns loss, obviously he's not the only person to blame. I think there were different times where guys like DeAndre and disappeared. Devin Booker had a couple of key missed shots, key turnovers that really hurt them in the end. But as much as I think Chris Paul was to blame, I also think that he sort of, because he's the point guard and the veteran, I think that he was almost the glue that got them to where they were. So it's going to be an interesting offseason to see, you know, if they do keep Chris Paul, what can this team do? Are there some guys that maybe they can bring in maybe some pieces? Um, If they don't keep Chris Paul, then I think the discussion with the Suns gets, I think it gets really interesting. Like, what do you do with this core lineup that you have? Because you have a guy like, Mikel Bridges, who really was impressive uh, watching, you know, such a young guy in the finals, in the playoffs, really was stepping up when he needed to be. Shout out Great Valley High School. And guys like DeAndre, and they're still very young uh, surrounding them. And obviously Devin Booker. I think for Devin Booker, it's going to be – he needs to start to evaluate where, like, the team is going. Because we've seen guys leave teams after NBA finals. We've seen guys really question what they're doing – win or lost the NBA Finals. I mean, we've seen different guys like a Kevin Durant, you know, you lose the NBA Finals and you sit back and you're like, we have what we do, but is this really like, if this is what we think that our peak is, do I want to go somewhere else? And I think that it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Suns. And I think it's going to all start with what does Chris Paul do and how does he see this team going forward? And back to your Giannis point about not being the face of the league, I think he is saying, I mean, number one, he just won the finals MVP. And typically there's guys who win the finals MVPs, but typically the new guys who take over, at least for the next season. Now I'm not saying that for the next 10 years, Giannis is the face, but I think at least for the upcoming season, he's going to be the guy that all the eyes are going to be on all the cameras. Everyone's going to be wanting to know what Giannis is doing. Where is he going to be? What's he going to do? Can he stay, you know, healthy? He's done a pretty good job of staying healthy throughout his career. Um, As for Kevin Durant and LeBron James, here's why, my respect for Giannis 
right now is greater than those two guys because Giannis was drafted by Milwaukee. He said he was going to stay there, and he did say he was going to eventually bring him a championship. It was a challenge by Kobe Bryant before he passed away that for Giannis to bring him a championship, and he did so. For LeBron, for him to win his first championship, he had to leave and go to a super team in Miami. For Kevin Durant to win his first championship, he had to leave and go to Golden State, which is already a super team as is, to win his first couple championships. Giannis stayed loyal to Milwaukee. He stayed there. He hit the gym. He developed. Milwaukee surrounded him with the proper pieces that he needed to win the championship, making small moves like bringing in P.J. Tucker and trading for Drew Holiday. Like those moves that people sit back and like, yeah, you know, that that, that was a movie on a name, but I'm not sure how much you're going to do. And actually ended up being really key. Also, you have a guy like Chris Middleton started his career in the G League and then stayed with Milwaukee and developed his game and got mature and gone to the gym, got his shots up. And Giannis and Chris Milton were staying loyal and did what they did for Milwaukee. So that's where my respect for Giannis is greater than Kevin and LeBron because he stayed there and he did what he said he was going to do and brought him a championship. And it kind of seems like to me close to the mentality of Joel Embiid in the sense that I feel like Joel wants to be in Philadelphia his whole career and he really is doing everything he can to bring him a championship, which is why I love Joel Embiid so much for what he does for the Sixers. But as for Giannis, I think that he is the king of the league right now. All eyes are going to be on him next year. Do I think that the Bucs can repeat? I think that they're one of those teams. I think they're going to be top two or three team in the East next year. I think that if they're able to keep their core together, they're, they're going to do a phenomenal job next year. Obviously, like you said, dynasty – I mean, we can't really put a cap on a dynasty after one championship because you never know next year. There could be injuries. There could be guys wanting to go somewhere else. There could be this or that. You never know. But you need to see seasons like this, like championship appearances, championship win. I need to see this for a good four or five years to say, okay, this Milwaukee Bucks team is a dynasty. I think they got a lot more potential to be a dynasty than the Suns do. I think that the Suns, they're right at where their peak is. And I think that they're dangerously close to having to blow it up because if they couldn't get it this year after being up 2-0, I think that they're in a dangerous spot for a lot of guys to say, hmm, maybe this isn't really what we thought it was. Um, So for you, David, back to you, if you're the Suns and the Bucks, what is kind of your outlook on the next season? In instance, do you think that the Bucks really have a legit repeat chance? And do you think the Suns, are in a spot where they can go back to the finals? Or do you think it's going to be – I know that you already said that the Lakers obviously would beat them fully healthy, but do you think the Suns are in a spot where if they keep their core, they had the ability to get there, or are they really going to struggle? And do you think that the Bucks had the ability to get back there if they can keep the majority of their roster together? Yeah, well, I mean, the Bucks are pretty much locked into what they're going to be for the next four years – they re-signed Drew Holiday to a, a, a big deal. Middleton's on a max deal. Giannis is on a max deal that he just signed, just signed the Super Max. So they're locked into that big three guys. They can't really do a ton to change their team. Um, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo will be back next year healthy. That'll help you as a starter. They can do moves along the margins to help out. They're kind of locked in. Um, so, I mean, the question is, that, like, does this championship um, give you like the confidence that that big three – is good enough to to keep on going championship winning championships or was this year did everything just break right for them 
Um, I think it's it's kind of somewhere in the middle. They're going to go into next season probably being the favorites of the Eastern Conference. The Nets this year were huge favorites with their big three, so maybe the better still like them. But we saw the issues that they had. Keep in mind for those who are listening, Kevin Durant's foot was about two centimeters away from this being a completely different NBA Finals. Yeah, so I mean the Nets are right there. I wouldn't be surprised if they go into the next season being the bet the betting favorites, just because uh, they were heavy favorites this year. But after we what we saw from the Bucks, the Bucks are probably going to go in. I would think being the favorite out of the Eastern Conference um, at the start of the season, I think they should be. Uh, but I don't necessarily have much confidence in them, say repeating or going on to win to win more uh, championships. I think they're going to be right there. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Giannis got four championships. He is he's a great player, obviously. Um, but Middleton doesn't necessarily um, he doesn't necessarily solve the problems that I saw with him before. He just tur- was, you know, cra- hitting crazy shots. He caught, and he caught fire at the perfect catching, time. Yeah, catching box. fire at the right time. Drew Holiday was very inconsistent the whole playoffs. He was actually pretty bad for a lot of the playoffs. Um, he turned it up specifically defensively for the, in the finals and was better. But I don't think this this big juggernaut uh, in any sense. But obviously for the next four, five, six, seven years, when you're looking at who are the contenders for the NBA title this year, they're going to be there every year. Um, so they just – they just need to keep going. Giannis can keep 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 improving. Maybe uh, just make keep a shot coming along. Get a little better there. Uh, but I think Middleton and Drew Holiday have kind of hit their peak uh, of players that they're going to be. So I think they're going to be right there. But I don't have like supreme confidence that they're going to keep winning finals. So we'll one, see. One quick note, like you said, Giannis continuing to developing. I know the big joke throughout the NBA Finals with Giannis is free throws. There's a couple times where he airballed back to back shots. Uh, the fans obviously love counting them down. You have 10 seconds to take a shot. Now, the fans, is their counting accurate? Absolutely not, but it's still kind of funny the way they joked about. But you got to give him respect. I think it was he went 16 for 17 or like 17 for 18, something around there in game six to clinch it. And coming from a guy like Giannis, who the big knock on him is he can't shoot threes or free throws, to make 16 or 17 out of 18 is wildly impressive given you know the history that he had throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I think he went 17 for 19. Um, at one point, he was 16 for 17. I think he missed one at the end. He went one of two at the end um, when he got 50. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, I mean that's that's I mean that's huge. Like he's got to keep he keep working on that, keep improving his free throws because that's the reason they won the game. They at one point with two three minutes left in the game, they're up six, and he was 16 for 17. And the graphic popped up. He's 16 for 17 on his free throws, and I think at that point they were up either six or eight. And if that's back to 60%, which was pretty much what he was shooting before, maybe even lower in some series, I'm not exactly sure, but he was shooting at best like 65, 60%. If that, if he had shot that percentage uh, last night, then they're tied in that instance and it's anyone's game. Like that won them the game, him and hitting those free throws. He needs to keep progressing that way. Keep keep progressing with the shot. um, And he can definitely get better. I mean, he could definitely turn into the undisputed best player in the NBA if he keeps, you know, working on that and improving. Whereas now I think he's kind of just one of the contenders for that spot for a wide open, who's the best player in the NBA spot. Like you could debate that all day. Um, but so I think the Bucks are kind of locked into where they are as they're going to be a contender every year, but I don't think they're, they're necessarily going to be a juggernaut or a dynasty. Um, so we'll see with them on the flip side though. I feel a lot more confident in the Bucks and the Suns Cause you're right. Like this was their chance. This was the best chance they're going to get. Chris Paul is, not getting any younger. Um, obviously, Devin Booker still has a lot of room to grow and progress, 
But if you take away Chris Paul, like there's not a ton they can do to fill the void except for having Mikael Bridges and Aiton. Chris Paul, Chris Paul was he was the piece that Devin Booker was waiting for to put him over the top, and they were able to bring him in and they got to the finals, but they didn't win it. So I think that it's really you're saying that and he was like the, he was like the guy that Devin Booker wanted like it wasn't like give me a point guard I remember there were several times where he's like no like I want specifically Chris Paul so they gave him his guy and they just weren't able to get over the hump and win it so it really makes you think if Chris Paul were to move on or if he wanted out some reason is there anybody out there realistically that they could bring in because you're not going to bring in like a Dennis Schroeder or Russell Westbrook like that's not going to be any better than than a Chris Paul was with Devin Booker so it really makes you think you know, take the scenario of Chris Paul being out or gone somehow, either free agency, uh, opting out, trade, whatever. If you opt Chris Paul out, who who on earth would possibly come in that'd be better than him? Realistically, I don't know if there's anybody out there, given you know either via free agency or trade that they'd be willing to give up to bring in a point guard. Because if you want to bring in a younger point guard to fit with Devin Booker, you would have to give up like a Mikel or a DeAndre Ayton. Like you would have to give up one of your young pieces, and they're just not going to do that. So if you're the Suns, it's really like if Chris Paul wants out, what are our options? Yeah, I mean, if he, if he goes out, your only option is you got to progress Booker, Bridges, and Aiton. They're all very young. They all have a lot of room to grow. The question is, can they become you know a big three worthy of competing for a championship? And I certainly have my doubts about that. I mean, Devin Booker's been in the year seven years. He can certainly still improve, but is he going to become a top five to ten player in the NBA anytime soon? I'm not. I, I don't think so. And it's hard to win a championship without one of those guys. Um, so, I mean, they're going to have to spend, think about a lot about developing Aiden and Bridges as well as still developing Booker. Um, Aiden and Bridges have to be resigned here coming up, um, either this off season, I think they, they become eligible or either next or next off season. Um, and you're really looking at the, those are your core pieces. Can they become a big three of sorts? And I have my serious doubts about that. Um, uh, if Chris Paul leaves, so the Suns are in a very, um, interesting spot. Uh, I have, very little confidence in them uh, compared to the Bucks, even though I obviously had some doubts about the Bucks. So it's interesting to see that. I don't think you go into the next year. Um, they're, they've separated themselves from the Clippers, the Lakers, um, the, even the Nuggets and teams like that. I think they're all going to be kind of thrown in there. How, how kind of how like they were this year, where it's kind of anyone can get hot. Anyone can, um, can make a run. Um, so I think the West is kind of, is kind of open. You still got the jazz there too. So there's a bunch of good teams and I don't think the Suns really have done it enough, even though they got to the finals, I'm not sure they've done enough, uh, especially with beating multiple injured opponents to, to prove that they're like ready to be, you know, the favorite in the West or a step above these other teams. Um, so I'm definitely not confident in them, you know, being back in the finals next year or in the years after that. Yeah. The the Suns are, a team to keep an eye on in this offseason to see what goes down. But it is officially the NBA offseason. Uh, once again, congratulations. Milwaukee Bucks are your 2021 NBA champions. But we are in the offseason, and arguably, at least in our minds, it's the top story of the offseason. League-wide, it could be a top two or three story, and it's going to be all offseason. Whether or not it actually happens, we don't know. There's a lot – you know, I think that the fans – uh, I'll let you know what I'm talking about right now, but there's a lot of fans on one side or the other, and they feel very strongly, and that's the topic of Ben Simmons. And after the performance that I've heard anywhere from terrible to atrocious to it was a mental thing, 
a lot of fans think it was just one series, bring him back. A lot more people that I know are like, I want him off the team. I really don't care who we bring back. There is a lot of mixed feelings about Ben Simmons and what he's, his future looks like. Is he going to be a sixer? He says he's going to be in the gym. Will he actually be in the gym? Cause he says it every off season. So we don't actually know what he's going to do, but the topic of Ben Simmons is going to be on the minds of everyone around the league, whether he's on the Sixers, whether he's traded, wherever he goes, I think that the league is going to be on the watch for Ben Simmons all season long, whether Simmons is traded in the off season, whether he's traded mid season at the deadline, whether he's on the Sixers the whole year, which again, it is a very true possibility because they haven't officially said that they're going to trade him. So him still being on the Sixers all season is a very real possibility. Keep that in mind. But what we're going to do now is we're going to have David change in a layout. I believe it's eight trades that he came up that are realistic possibilities. Now, obviously, most teams out there have some sort of trade package for Ben Simmons, but we don't want to analyze some dumb package that really doesn't make sense. Like, oh, like let's trade like Cole Anthony for Ben Simmons and the Magic. Like that just that doesn't make any sense. Like that's random trade package no one would talk about. But we're going to lay out eight very realistic possible trade packages for Ben Simmons that David Shane came up with. And I'm going to tell you whether or not I would do it and then give you my reason why. So David, I'll throw it to you kind of lay out one by one, the trade So lay out the trade and then I'll tell you whether I would do it or not. And my reasoning. All right. So you, to start off, I just want to give, you know, the listeners kind of an overview of our opinions on Simmons. Um, because I just want, do want to preface this with saying we we both, and I don't want to say speak for uh, for you, but I, you can you can say if you agree or not. We are both on you know that the Sixers. We both think the Sixers need to trade Ben Simmons. Needs to be uh, gone. He needs, he to, needs be to be gone from this team. Yeah. So we we both have the same thing. So we we want to trade them. So keep in mind that there is a, a little bit of bias there. So you might be saying, whoa, whoa, I wouldn't do that trade. Uh, keep in mind that we uh, both are looking to get Ben Simmons out of Philly. Um, I think that the Sixers need a, a different piece to put around Embiid. Simmons was terrible. In this. Um, it's time for the Sixers to change it up. Single-handedly just wreck the um, so that he can really dominate down low and just make put a bunch of shooters around him constantly. Um, so I just want to preface it with that. That yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna stop you right there. Just for the people who are listening, David lagged out pretty bad there. We're doing this over Zoom, so we appreciate you trying to get through it. But essentially what David was saying is that we both want Simmons off the Sixers, so these trades are going to sound a little bit biased. If we say yes to all of them, it's because we want them away. We understand that there's different feelings about them. I know some people personally who don't even want to trade them for Damian Lillard. Like they just they want to see them run it back. But essentially, these are trades from two guys who very much think that Simmons should be gone we're going to lay it out. Now, we're going to be fair, but they're going to be a little biased. Like, I'm not going to say, like, it's not going to be like, oh, I think we should trade Simmons and we'll get Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Like, obviously, like, that's a stupid trade. No one would say no to that, but also we're not going to lay out something like that. But just keep in mind that we are two guys who want Simmons gone. So if you disagree with them, that's fine. Feel free to reach out and you can come on the show and tell us why. Yep. So I saw our preface was saying these are all trades that are legal, that could happen. The money works. Uh, the, the picks are all are all there, um, and the I took you know eight teams that I think could could make a deal for Simmons that are realistic destinations for him and kind of what I think it would take to get him. And Yubushi can tell kind of tell me whether he would do the trade and if 
you know, maybe he would want to take something out from the Sixer side if it's a little too much or kind of how he would do it. And the first trade I want to address is the one that is on most people's minds, and that is Let's the one for it. Damian Lillard. Um, there was a report that he definitely wants out. He shut that down, although it wasn't, you know, I don't know if it was a full convincing. shutdown. If we're being, it, it wasn't like a I'm staying in Portland. It was more of a, I haven't said anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't convincing that he's going to stay, but he did shut it down. Uh, but I do think that it's a very real possibility that he's going to be out of Portland. And I think the Sixers have one of the best, if not the best packages for him. Um, so obviously Simmons for a little straight up, we would both do. So I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me if this is too much for Lillard or if you would be like, yep, get it done. I don't care if this is what we have to give up because it is a big package. Um, so start off, this is for, uh, Simmons or this is for Lillard straight up. So that's all you were getting back from the, from the Blazers. What we're giving up is Simmons, uh, Tyrese Maxey. And Thibel, so to our, the two young pieces on the Sixers, uh, first and second year players. And then you're giving up three firsts, including the first this year, which is pick 28, and then a first in 2023 and a first in 2027. So Simmons, Maxi, Thibel, three firsts. If I'm the Sixers, I'm doing that deal with keeping in mind that in the offseason, we would probably need to look to sign a backup point guard because you are giving away two point guards. So there's got to be someone in mind, you know, in the off season, like uh, not, not like a top tier, but not a low tier, but a mid tier kind of point guard. That's going to be a free agent. You could look at and say, this guy could back us up. But if I'm the Sixers, I'm doing that deal. Cause I really, as much as I love Joel Embiid, I really think that the Sixers window with him for a championship is like the next three to four years. Like it's not a wide window. Damian Lillard just turned 31. He's still playing out of his mind, but he is getting up there in age. So say that you go four years from now, that's Damian Lillard at 35 years old. And so I really think that four years is kind of the cap with where you could win it with Joel and Damian Lillard. But I think that that duo could get it done. I think that they would get championships. So if I'm the Sixers, I would do that trade. As Philly fans, it would definitely hurt to see Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel go. But you got to realize that if there's a chance to get a point guard like Lillard, and you think that he is the guy that can put you over the top and you still have the pieces around you. Like you still keep a Seth Curry. Maybe you are able to bring back a veteran like Danny green and obviously Joel Embiid. You still have Tobias Harris there. So Lillard, that'd be a deadly, deadly lineup. They would need to bolster the bench a little bit more with trading away two young bench pieces. But if I'm the Sixers, I'm 100% pulling that deal. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think if you have the chance to get, you know, a top 10-ish player to play with Joel Embiid, who is already a top 10 player in the league, to get those two stars together. I mean, you you got to do it as the Sixers. We see that, you, you mean, star power is what's going to get it done in the NBA. Um, we've kind of seen that recently. So I agree. And I do have one more trade from the Blazers, though. If Lillard, say, was not available and stayed, would you do Simmons and George Hill for CJ McCollum and Covington? I would do that. I don't know if the Trailblazers would do that. Like I, like I know that the money and the fairness of it works out. I personally would do that. I just don't think that the Blazers. I think the Blazers. If the Blazers said we're going to go into a full-on rebuild and Lillard gets traded elsewhere, then they might do that and try to build around Simmons. But I don't think that they would want to give up those two for the two in return. So if I'm the Sixers and that ta- that offer was on the table, 100% deal. If I'm the Blazers and that was the offer coming in from Philly, I'm saying no deal. 
unless Lillard does one out, then things get interesting. All right, interesting. I, I think the Blazers actually, you know, I, I think they, they might say yes. I think the Sixers would strongly consider saying no, just because I'm not sure McCollum takes you over the top. And he's not like a great three-point shooter to necessarily stretch out uh, the court when Embiid has the ball. Uh, he'd definitely be, you know, the, a way better perimeter scoring option than we've had. Um, but that, that's an interesting one. Uh, we'll see. But moving on uh, to the next team, uh, this is one that's been taught. We Sixers fans have been talking about for a while. Um, and that is centered in a trade around Beal. Um, and who knows? It's kind of unknown whether if he might want out he did sign a new deal but that deal's uh, going to come to an end in a, in, a, in a little bit um so this one is uh simmons maxi and shake milton for beal simmons maxi and milton for beal see if you would have said thibel simmons and milton then i would have said yes only being i like beal a lot i think that he would fit well with them but if you trade Simmons, Maxi, and Milton, then who's running point? Because Beal isn't—he's a shooting guard, and Seth Curry he can bring the ball up, but he's not, you know, a prototype. He's not a point guard. He's more of an off-ball shooter. He likes to catch and shoot very well. So if I'm the Sixers, if that's the offer that Washington wants, I would find a way to keep either Tyrese or Shake. And throw in, I would probably, I would see if I could swap Tyrese Maxey and Thibault and try to pull that deal only because Simmons, Maxey, and Shake, they're three, those are your three like premier like point guards. Like those are your guys who are playing point and you're bringing in the shooting guard, not necessarily a point guard. So switch Maxey and Thibault, and I would say deal. But if it is Simmons, Maxey, and Milton for just straight up Beal, then I would say no deal. All right, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, Again, I, I do it to, to get uh, a, a guy who's such a great perimeter scorer. I do agree with you, though. It does leave a, leave a void at point guard. Um, and if you're starting Beal and Curry, could you even like fit another point guard into that starting lineup? Then you're a little slow. You'd have to have Beal at playing like that, playing as a wing, as the small forward. Um, so it does bring some problems, but I think Beal's a good enough player that you could win a championship with him and Embiid. So I'd probably do it, but I see your concern. Um, moving on, uh, we got. One for uh, we're going to the Pacers, and there was a report that the the Sixers or the Pacers uh, offered Brogdon in a first for Simmons, um, and it was turned down by the Sixers. Um, very smart of the Sixers to turn that down. No way. So this one is um, interesting. I'm not I'm not confident that you're gonna say, that you would say yes to this, but it's Simmons straight up for Brogdon and Lavert. Simmons for Brogdon and Levert. Um, you know, I think that would make things very interesting for the Sixers because you are bringing in two guards. But Karis Levert is a point guard at heart, and he's shown his ability at times to give you a quick 20-25 if he can catch fire. Uh, Brogdon, I believe, is rookie, was rookie of the year, his rookie year. Um, but I feel like he's nothing really anything special uh, that would mean that you would have to move someone to the bench. I don't want to move Seth Curry to the bench. I don't know if Brogdon would want to be a bench player. I, Maybe I think Levert would be the bench player. You think that – well, then who would be running point? Brogdon. You would run – see, I I don't know if I'm a huge fan of Brogdon running point with Levert 
off the bench. Um, the money works. The trade works. I think it would be really interesting. I think that's one of those trades where the Sixers would have to, you know, know what's going on in free agency and kind of like there's one more piece that we can bring in free agency-wise to, to allow this trade to really work out and build our team around. Do I think that they're better than Simmons shooting-wise? I think I'm better shooting-wise than Simmons, to be honest with you right now, from the way that he was playing. But I'm not necessarily convinced that those two, along with Embiid, is a better fit than Simmons. However, I think I would do the deal because those are two guys that give you shooting, and they can play some sort of defense. Obviously, Simmons is – his defense is going to be – I don't think there's anyone that they're going to trade Simmons for that get in return that matches the defensive game. But I think I would do that deal with the hopes that you can make a splash in free agency somewhere as well. Yeah, th- I'm very on the fence with this one. I think if it was like the only deal on the table and you're there at like the trade deadline or something, like you have you either have to say yes or no to this. Uh, hopefully they can get a better deal than this. But if I had just to give you yes or no, I'd probably say yes. Um, Brogdon and Levert, neither are true point guards. Um, so there is some things to work with there. Uh I think if you're if the Sixers genuinely want Simmons gone, at the end of the day, that is the only offer that the team said they would accept, and I would do it. I'll yeah, it yeah, I way. agree with that. I mean, Brogdon and Levert are both perimeter players who can shoot, and that's I mean that's just what the Sixers need. It's what they have been needing: a point guard or two guards uh, who can who can handle the ball, who can shoot the ball, uh, who, who can play off ball of a bead, shoot the ball, and create their own shot at least somewhat because we don't have a single player who can really create their own shot Tobias can kind of do it but a lot of his shots are contested he's not he can't create a ton of space and then be you know Ken but he's not a perimeter player so it would give you two guys on the perimeter who could really help you out in in late game situations and just all throughout the game with their shooting Uh, so I'd probably do that Um, moving on to another uh, getting another perimeter guy um it, we're going to the Chicago now and uh this is Simmons, Shake Milton, uh pick 28 in the 2021 draft for Levine and uh Tomas Sadaransky. Okay. I don't want to sound biased here but 100% absolutely I'm doing that deal. I am in love with Zach Levine. The way that he plays the game, the way that he went from just being known from a high flyer to like hitting, I think it was at one point he had like 13 threes in the game. Like he's very much developed his game from just a dunker to like a legit shooter and point guard. And then if you bring in Sadoransky as well, you know, he's not going to be anything special, but he's a, he's like a sort of like a TJ McConnell S not as much hustle backup point guard, but I absolutely love Zach Levine. I think that he gives you a lot more spacing because of his shooting with Joel Embiid and his ability to shoot at a high clip really opens up the floor for guys like Joel to be more in the paint. And if you put him next, like a Seth Curry, I mean, you get two guys like that catching fire in one game, good luck starting them. Cause you're going to have to double team one of the two, which would leave either Curry or Levine open. And those are two high, high clip three point shooting guys. So if one is cold, that gives the other an opportunity to hit a couple down the stretch. I absolutely love that deal. I am a huge fan of Zach Levine and I would love to see him in a Philadelphia Jersey, to be honest. Yeah. I was always kind of a, a little bit of a Levine hater. Um, his defense was never great. 
never a great playmaker, uh, had his problems, but he really came on this year. He improved defensively. Um, still not anything great, not, not anything above average, but he can hold his own. Um, he, and he improved a lot in his playmaking, bringing his average up to like five and a half assists per game. Um, and his shot making last year was incredible. One of the best shooters in the NBA last year. Um, so I think his shot making, like you got to do the deal to get a guy who can just make shots like that. He can be your closer in the playoffs and in the fourth quarters of every game. I think he's a good enough shooter to be your closer, which is something the Sixers desperately need. So yeah, I would do that deal too. Um, what if you the, Sixers, the Sixers are giving up Simmons, Shake, Shake, and their first round pick this year, which is twenty eight? Yes, yes, yeah. I would actually because I know Danny Green's a free agent, so it's not a guarantee that he comes back. But even if he does, I would switch him to the bench because, mm-hmm. like like I said earlier, when you're trading away Simmons, you're not going to get the defensive back. You're just not like n- very few people. He should have won Defensive Player of the Year this past year. Like you're not going to get the defense back. But if you trade him and bring in Levine, you get shooting. Say that Danny Green doesn't come back. You just you shift Thibel into the starting position, into the starting small four position, and that it wouldn't fully make up for Simmons' defense that's gone. But Thibel is a very getting very close to elite defender, if not already at the beginning of being an elite defender. So the defense there could be made up for if you put Matisse Thibel in the starting lineup. Yeah, so this one I also like because you're getting Sadaransky, who can be like a backup guard off the bench. So now I just want to raise this question. Considering you are getting Sadaransky, you can play point. If you had, if they then said, we'll only do the deal if you th- also throw in Maxi, would you do that? Throw in Maxi. Sadaransky, do you know how old he is off the top of your head? I'm not sure. His, I know he's nah, not he's, old. he's older, but I don't think he's that yeah. old. Um, I, would, I would say yes. I, I think I would still do it. Because, like I said, Tyrese Max, I mean, his game really, really developed throughout the year. I mean, you saw that before our eyes. Um, but, again, that that three- to four-year window for Joel Embiid is closing fast. So, if Tyrese Max, if he doesn't do a ton of developing in the first two to three years of his career, really, like, how much do you have there? I think Thibel's coming along defensively very well. I think his offensive game, well, not great. He's already shown the Olympics that he's, you know, not afraid to take shots, and he's stepping it up a bit. So I, I would do it only because, again, my mind is on that three- to four-year window with Joel. Who can we bring in in that span of time that really puts us over the top to get us to a championship? And I think swapping essentially Simmons for Levine in the starting lineup could do that. All right. Uh, I agree. I, I, would do, I would do it for Levine. I would give up you know, a good amount for Levine. Now we're moving on um, to the Kings. Uh, there's been reports that they do like Simmons. They want to try to get him, um, but they don't want to give up Fox. They want to give up Heald um, and some other pieces. I don't think that's nearly enough to get Simmons. Um, so in this case, the Kings are sitting there. They've offered that. Sixers say, no, not, not, not nearly enough. We need the Aaron Fox in the deal. And the, uh, the Kings say, okay, we'll give you Fox. You have to give us Simmons, Maxi, which I think is would be naturally – kind of have to go there because him and Fox are very similar players. Um, so you'd have to go at Maxi. He doesn't have quite the role here. He does with Fox here, Simmons, Maxi, and pick 28 in the draft for just straight up Darren Fox. Yep. Um, see, this one would be tough for me only because I don't know how well a De'Aaron Fox would fit alongside Joel as the other guys would like a Lillard or a Levine. He, he is a point guard and we've seen him catch fire, 
but he also he he's shown that he can go cold at times with his playing ability. And I worry because you give up Simmons, you get Fox, but also if something were to happen to him, then where do you go backup wise? You also lost your young piece in Tyrese Maxey. So and you're you're training the first round pick this year, which loses the ability to draft another point guard that you might want to develop as well. Um, I do understand that a lot of these deals are probably going to be giving up guards because our forwards aren't really anything that anyone really wants to trade for. I mean, the Tobias contract's no good for most teams. Danny Green is a free agent. Matisse Thibel is a piece that I think the, the Sixers will be very, very reluctant to give up. I think that it would really, really have to entice them to give up Thibel. So essentially you're giving up the potential to have three guards for De'Aaron Fox. I would say no deal unless the Kings had the ability to throw in another guard, but I really don't know if there's a guard on the Kings outside of Heald that I would want to come in, and they're obviously not going to do Maxi and Simmons for Heald and Fox. So if that was the deal for his Maxi Simmons and a first for De'Aaron Fox, if I'm Daryl Moore in the Sixers, I would say no. All right, interesting. Yeah, th- this one's interesting because, like, does Fox fit the window that you've been talking about? Because I think that's something we agree on. Like, if I'm the Sixers, I, like, we get you got to put a team around the bead now. He has injury. He's, he has these injury struggles. Um, he's getting he's getting older. He's probably not going to age super well um, for as for a player. So you got to get it done in the next as, four years. As much as um, I hate to say it, we arguably may have just witnessed Joel's greatest season he's going to have in his career. Whether or not that's actually true is to be seen, obviously, because he's not retired. But we did arguably, if he didn't miss as many games as he did, he was the MVP. He was the MVP. Take away games played, Joel Embiid was the MVP this past year. So are we really going to get like another season like he did this past year? I'm not fully convinced that we're going to have – is he going to play MVP-level basketball? Probably, but is he going to play like legitimate MVP basketball? Like is he going to play like he could be the MVP? To clarify, yes. Will he be in the talks for MVP like he was this past year in his career again? Probably not, but that's to be seen. Yeah, so that's the worry with Fox is does he fit that window with Embiid? Because he's still he's still young, he's still developing a little bit. I'm not sure if he he's not like the shot maker that Levine, someone like Levine or Beal is. Um, so I would be reluctant to do a deal. I think I would do it just because I just I just love Fox as a player. But I I love him more than most. But it wouldn't worry me. I'm I'm not sure he gives you like the shooting and shot creation to like get it done in the playoffs like late in games to be your closer. So it definitely wouldn't be my first choice, but I think I'd do it just because I think Fox could could be your point guard for in the next seven years, uh, seven, eight to ten years. Uh, and maybe you can put a team around him when it beats past his prime to do something. Uh, but that was interesting. I, I respect that opinion of saying no. Um, and, that, and now we're kind of to, to the – these next are not – you know, if, you're, if I'm a Sixers fan and d- these are the deals that pop across – um, you, it pops across my ESPN notification. Sixers are trade Ben Simmons for these pieces. It's not going to be ne- nearly as satisfying as as if it were for Levine or Beal or Lillard. Um, but these might be the options that are on the table for the Sixers. So starting in um, Minnesota, another team that's had a lot of you know reports of interest of Ben Simmons that they love Ben Simmons. The problem here is that they uh, are have said they don't want to give up D'Lo, but again. You know, the pieces are without Cat, Anthony Edwards, D'Lo. You're not getting Simmons with the pieces they have outside of that. So, again, in order for this to work for the Sixers, they'd have to include Russell. So, the trade would be Simmons uh, for D'Angelo Russell, 
Malik Beasley, who had a career year this year, averaged like 20 points per game. And then uh, Nas Reed, who could maybe come in and be a backup center. Yeah, that that is very, very interesting. Um, first of all, I love Nas Reed and he's at LSU. Like during the tour, he was just like one of those guys that was fun to watch. I I would bring him in. Um, I wouldn't mind him backing up Joel over Dwight Howard. I think Dwight Howard kind of, you know, butchered in the playoffs a bit with the way that he played. Um, it's a young guy. It's a young guy, but a guy who kind of knows his role um, as a backup center, and he's not going to be super frustrated playing that role. D'Angelo Russell, he's one of those players that a lot of people, if it's a straight offensive game, you're going to try to get D'Angelo Russell early. But there is two sides of the ball. He's not necessarily known for defense. A lot of people kind of think of him like a hard and almost like doesn't play a ton of defense. Um, but like I said, when it comes to this trade, you're not going to get the defense back that you were giving away in Simmons and Malik Beasley. I know that he had some legal trouble this past year, um, which led to suspensions. But like you said, his, his three point shooting ability, he can get hot, hot. Like he can get like one of the, like close to like Steph Curry level hot. If he sees a couple go in, he's definitely an interesting piece. So I think that if you were to put Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell in the starting lineup, along with Joel, Seth Curry and Tobias, there's a lot of three-point shooting there. The issue is you would need to get about 125, 130 a night because the defense isn't going to be nearly as what it used to be. Uh, I think that trade gets very interesting. I think I would do it if that's the all-front table only because I'm only giving up Ben Simmons and I'm getting two guards and a young backup piece to Joel who could be serviceable to Joel. Yeah, I, I'd be no on this one. Uh, I know you know my opinions, D'Angelo Russell. The audience may not. I, he's probably like, if I had to pick one player who said, I don't really hate anyone, but if you say like, who's the player you most hate in the NBA? It's it's D'Angelo Russell. I just I just don't think he's very good. Um, he's terrible defensively, um, and he's average playmaker. He can do some stuff. I just think that year with the Nets was an anomaly. I don't think he'll ever get back to that level. He needs the ball in his hands a lot to to be effective. Um, not not I great. Mean, so does ball. Ben Simmons, to be fair. That's true. That's true. But I mean, I mean, I understand the reluctance. It's not an upgrade, the defense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not a it's not a one for one upgrade. We got to think overall. The three for one is an upgrade. It might not be much, but I think because you'd be bringing in a piece. Because we we saw Dwight Howard. He had his ups and downs. But if we're being quite honest, I think that the most serviceable backup that Joel had this past year was Tony Bradley. But then we traded the Sixers traded him for George Hill, and he was a young backup center. So you bring in another one, and Nonsre, you know, I've seen him hit a couple threes. He's not afraid to shoot it if he's open. Um, so I do think that straight up Russell for Will for uh, D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons is not a, a fair trade. But I think because you'd be bringing in Malik Beasley and Nasri, I think that. You'd be it'd be a slight upgrade. Would it be great? No, but again, it's one of those things where it's like, if this was the only deal on the table, I think I would take it only because I think that there is a slight, and I do mean slight, upgrade from just Ben Simmons. Yeah. So yeah, I, I probably wouldn't do it just because I don't think Russell really puts you over the top. I don't think he's good enough to win a championship as your second best player. Not that I really necessarily think Ben Simmons is, but I, I would keep Simmons for just I think he's a better player and. Uh, then Russell and Beasley and Nasri don't quite push uh, push him over the top for me. But that's an interesting one. That's a team that definitely will have interest. And I won't be surprised if if, the, if Simmons is in Minnesota in two months. Uh, but we'll see. 
So we're one down. I got two more. Um, this one, another one that Sixers fans would be very unsatisfied with. Um, it's, but it, it could be the deal you have to make. You're giving up Simmons and George Hill. You're getting Gordon Hayward, uh, Terry Rozier, and a lottery protected first in 2022 from the Hornets. Simmons or I'm just going to say no. And I think I might just leave it at that. I, 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 I don't want Gordon Hayward in Philadelphia. I get Terry Rozier. I know that his shooting ability, but I don't think that either of those guys give you much defense, let alone I don't I think that they're an upgrade. Not really. Um, I understand that Terry Rozier is a point guard, but outside of that, I, I think if that was the offer on the table, I think I personally would rather just keep Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. Like if Gordon Hayward, if you told me he's going to be 100% healthy for his time in Philadelphia, I might do the deal. Because like it definitely upgrades your shooting. Rozier and Hayward are really going to bolster shooting, but Hayward has some injury injury problems. Rozier's probably now he's he's not good enough to be your number one perimeter option. And Hayward and Tobias, Hayward could play the three, but at this point he's kind of transitioning more to the four with where the NBA is going. So it's not a great fit there. So I, I definitely see see uh, see where you're going there. And yeah, I'd be fine with, with not doing that deal. And the last one. Um, Something I definitely won't do, but we'll see what what you say. The Cavs have been reported to be shopping Sexton on the market. Um, so this one would be Simmons. You're giving up Simmons. You're getting Sexton. You're getting a 2023 first, which could be valuable because if Simmons doesn't put the Cavs over the top, that, that first could be in the lottery. And you're also getting, to make the money work, you're getting the contract Kevin Love, um, who – would at least put some shooting shooting around. He can shoot. He can be your backup center. He can do some things. He's just overpaid. Uh, but would you do that? Sexton, Love, and a first. I I have seen I've seen that deal rumored out there before. I think that it gets interesting, not so much for the money aspects, but I think of the fit aspects because I think if you bring because that means that either Kevin Love or Tobias is going to have to play the three. Um. I think Tobias is more of a four in today's NBA than he is a three, but obviously he would have to play. You're not going to put Kevin Love at the three. That would just make no sense. I think Kevin Love sort of passed his prime and what he's done in his career. I think that he's sort of passed that. Colin Sexton, he's one of those players where you, you want to see more and you really are like, this guy's going to develop, but for every reason, you're just, you're not seeing the development that you're hoping to see from him. Maybe it's one of those things where it's just a change of scenery like people are saying about Ben Simmons, he just needs to change his scenery and he'll shoot the ball more. So maybe those two guys changing locations might help him. I think that, that would be very interesting. But if I'm the Sixers and that's the only deal out there, I think I'd still keep Simmons for the time being and try to work something else out there. So at the end of the day, if that was the offer that they gave me, I think I'd say no deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm not a big Sexton guy. Love is not a good fit. He can't really play with Harris and Embiid. He'd kind of be more relegated to like a 30, a 30 million per year backup center, which you don't really want on the team. So that's definitely a bad contract. And uh, Sexton, I don't think is better than Simmons in any way. Um, so, and he's, he's not a great shooter. So he's not a great fit with Embiid. He likes to drive the ball. Um, so yeah, I went through that. That's just interesting because Sexton has been rumored to be being shopped and Simmons is being rumored to being shopped. So th- those are the traits that I came up with. Um, so you said then, yes to, to the ones that had great players coming in and probably no to some of the teams who might be trying to lowball you with Sexton and Hayward, but yeah, we'll I mean, th- that's, 
that's sort of where I stand with Simmons is I 100% want him gone. I want him out of Philly, but at the exact same time, I don't want him gone for nothing. I don't want them to get him out just to get him out. Like I want them to bring in the right pieces and not just bring in a star that it doesn't make any sense. I want them to bring in a guy that fits their team. Like let's like not say, Oh, we need to trade him for like a Paul George. Well, okay. But like Paul George isn't really going to fit the needs of the team as much as people may think he is. Um, so I want Simmons gone, but I want him gone for the right package. Like some of the ones that you said, like a Lillard, a Beal, the Fox one, again, I'm up in the air about that. But Levine, Levine is the one that I think I, my gut, like deep down, my gut tells me that Lillard's going to stay in Portland this year. Just what I have a gut feeling. If he does request out, you go, you do what you can to get Lillard. Like if he says, I'm out and Philadelphia is one of the teams I want to go to, you give them whatever they want and you bring Lillard in because he is the piece for Joel. If he's off the table, you go after a guy like Zach Levine over Beal, in my personal opinion. But again, Simmons, I think he needs to be gone, but he needs to be gone for the right piece. I 100% want him gone. Would I be completely upset if he was back? Not necessarily because that would mean that, you know, that the Sixers in the league, they kind of respect who Ben Simmons is and they understand that he does have value and they're not just going to give him away for nothing. So I wouldn't be a happy camper if he was back. I'm not going to be like, oh, this team has no chance because I do want him gone for the right price. And if that right price is not out there, then you got to keep him on the roster. Yeah, I'll just say this. I, I would be I would be shocked, to be honest, if he's on the team next year. Um, I know that a lot of offer, like you're not going to accept every offer, but you're considering that Brogdon at first was like the first offer you got. If it can go up from there, I think that Maury's going to find a deal that he'll do. We know that, you know, he loves the trade. Uh, he's completed like the most trades out of any GM. Uh, I think he's smart enough to realize that Simmons isn't the fit for Embiid, that the Sixers need a perimeter score. You can't win a championship uh, without a great perimeter scorer. Chris Middleton, you know, in the finals kind of showed that like if he could step up and be that perimeter scorer, to be honest, like that will put them into the championship conversation. You need a perimeter scorer in this league. And I think Maury knows that. And I think he knows that you got to get a point guard who can do that, create his own shot, be a, be a threat on the perimeter. Um, so I, I'd be shocked if Simmons is, is still on the team. Yeah, and Daryl Morey showed that he's not scared to come in and make moves. I mean, he came in and immediately traded Horford for Danny Green and Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. So we know Daryl Morey is not a guy who shies away from trades. I mean, he's never been one of those guys. But there you have it. That's the NBA Finals and the Simmons. And before we close out, just real quickly, Dave, I want to get your quick thoughts. The Olympics are starting up in less than a week. Team USA, like where do you stand with them? Because we did see them lose a couple games early to one of them was, I believe, to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Australia was the other one they lost mm-hmm. to as well. They did pick it up. They got a couple of wins down the stretch. But obviously, it's going to be tough to watch them because they're in Tokyo. So the games tip off at like 1 a.m. and like 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. our time. So it's going to be harder to watch. But real quick, where do you stand with Team USA? You know, are they a, a lot? They've always been sort of ever since we started playing with NBA players, they've always sort of been that like gold medal lock for most years. I don't necessarily see that that way. I know that Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker like flew out today to go play for Team USA. I don't know how much that puts them over the hump, you know, because they just came off the NBA Finals. But real quick before we close out, where do you kind of see Team USA in the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super worried. I mean, they dropped some games. It's an exhibition. They're going to be the favorite in every matchup. Um, do I feel confident in them compared to past teams? Certainly not. Uh, they're definitely one of the worst teams we've sent to the Olympics recently. 
Um, but I mean, I'm not really, really worried. You got a bunch of NBA superstars there. No other team is really going to be able to match that. Um, but I mean, there's some other good teams we've seen, like with the influx of international players in the NBA. Recently. There's going to be teams um, with, with great players, Doncic, Jokic, these teams um, that are going to be a threat. So I don't feel I'm not worried uh, about them. They're going to be the favorite again. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they don't get the gold this year. But um, well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I, they're again, like you said, they're adding Booker, Middleton, Holiday. Those are three people that are going to have playing time. Uh, that are really good players. Um, so I'm not worried, but at the same time, it, it is one of the, the the worst teams we have sent to the Olympics. So uh, yeah, it, I don't it, have high expectations. No, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they win the gold. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. And it's, it's one of those teams where, you know, in the past, I've loved watching the Olympic basketball on Team USA, uh, no matter what time. But it's one of those teams this year where I'm kind of – I'm not, like, wanting – like dying to stay up at like 1 a.m. tip off to watch this team USA play. It's kind of like, you know, I'll wake up. If there's a rerun, maybe I'll watch. Maybe I'll check the score on my phone in the morning. And it's not like in the past when you've had like LeBron, Kobe, Carmelo, like those three guys, like Chris Paul, again, like the same starting lap here. Like, holy cow, like this is must-see TV because they're never going to play together in real life. But Team USA is where they can play. Like, you know, they got Lillard, maybe future Sixer playing. Kevin Durant, obviously, but like, Bam Adebayo is not attracting me to watch Team USA. Uh, Zach Levine is there. So, you know, another potential future sixer that I may stay up to watch just to see how he plays. Um, but then not, not a ton of guys on this Team USA team is making me, like, dying to stay up to watch um, them play. So it'll be interesting to see how Team USA plays out. I think that there are some strong teams, like you said. I think Australia is one of those sneaky good teams out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Matisse Thibel and, like, Patty Mills, guys like that. But no, there's there's a lot of European teams that you know you, you got to watch out for because they have guys like you said, like Doncic. I'm not sure if Jokic is playing the Olympics or not. I didn't think I saw him listed on the roster. Maybe yeah, he I'm isn't. Sure. He was just taking off. But there are definitely some foreign teams out there to be on the watch. But you know, the Olympics start. I, I forget the exact date. I thought it was the 24th. Maybe it's the 26th. I think it's this Friday, the 20, 24th. 25th, 23rd? Somewhere in the early 20s, the Olympics starting. They're coming up. It's on NBC and Peacock if you guys want to watch them. But we want to thank you once again for giving you the views. Thank you for listening. I This show might have been one of our longer shows because we were talking about the NBA Finals and there was a lot of trades out there for Simmons. So it's one of our longer shows. We want to thank you for giving us the listen. Sorry for any of the audio issues. Again, it's doing it over Zoom, but we are very, very close to getting back to being possibly in a studio to get this to try to eliminate a lot of the noise but we do want to thank you david thanks like always for being here i know that you had the four weeks were here at camp but you are back and hopefully we can start to give you guys more and more episodes on a weekly basis now that dave and i are both kind of our schedules are kind of in sync now and it'll work out more often that way the shows are going to be interesting because now we really are in that tight window where you know will be from here on out the nba just ended nfl training camp starts in two weeks but it's kind of like you know there's not a lot of stories unless there's injuries out there um but there is the nba draft coming up so keep an eye out for that that could potentially be a story um but we we do we do track baseball enough where we could give you guys some baseball stories the phillies very interesting how the second half of their season is going to play out but regardless want to thank you guys for the listen thank you for joining us again for any of the audio or technical issues we apologize thank you for staying with us through it until next time that's david shane and i am bushy white we will see you next week <laughs>